Hello, my name is Eva, and welcome to part two of the podcast series, Who Was Bluetooth? A series in which we recount the life of the 10th century Danish king, Harald Gormsen, known as Harald Bluetooth, and explore why his sobriquet was adopted as the name for the communication network technology that we today know as Bluetooth. Before we start, just a few housekeeping notes. I'll be off for an Easter break following this, so next episode will be next Wednesday. Anyway, back to the topic of the day. One of the interesting aspects about Harald Bluetooth are his purported familial links to many of the ruling houses of his day. From the claims that he was a descendant of the very first Norse rulers to the claim made by the 12th century Danish historian Saxo Grammaticus, who wrote in his History of Denmark that Bluetooth was related to the ruling houses of Wessex through his mother, Tura, and Saxo claimed that Bluetooth pursued his admittedly tenuous claim to the throne of Wessex in the mid-950s, but was ultimately foiled in his attempts. This connection to the ruling house of Wessex has been contested by later historians. There is a point to be made that Saxo perhaps conflated Harald Bluetooth's mother with another Tura, but there is no doubt that Bluetooth was an important figure in many tales of the 10th century Vikings and their connections to England, the Holy Roman Empire, and the intrigues and conflicts of the Scandinavian kingdoms. Bluetooth was a fixed point between disparate networks, just like Bluetooth technology. Last time, we left off at the death of Harald Gormson's father, King Gorm the Old, who died sometime around 958. The exact date is sadly unknown. What is documented, though, is the fact that Harald was crowned as king around this time. Though Gorm the Old had wrested power from the local earls, who had grown rich and independent, in part due to Viking raids, and Gorm had passed on a united kingdom to his son, Harald's position as king was still questioned, and to quiet the voices doubting his abilities, Harald Gormson embarked on a Viking raid in the summer of 959, at least according to the 12th century Danish chronicler Saxo, who in his history of Denmark, known as Gesta Danorum, claimed that Harald was very successful in his raids off the English coast in which he proved himself to be courageous and adventurous. This was of the utmost importance in the eyes of Harald's subjects, who lived in a society still heavily influenced by Viking culture, where a great king was synonymous with a great warrior. Bluetooth's deft leadership of the raids brought him the prestige he needed amongst his Scandinavian peers and amongst the Scandinavian warriors, and it helped him uphold the peace in his reign for the next decade. 
and with quiet swords at home, Harald could turn his efforts to what had always been his ultimate ambition, foreign conquest. At the time of his reign, Harald had welcomed two important Norwegian figures into his household, Gunhild, the widow of Erik Blodøkse, Erik Bloodaxe, the king of Norway and Northumberland, who had been killed in northern England in 954 while he was on the run from King Edward of Wessex, with whom he had waged war and been defeated by. Eric's wife, Gunhild, was the sister of Harald Bluetooth, and she fled from England and she sought sanctuary with Bluetooth and brought along with her her eldest son, also named Harald, who would later be known as Harald Greycloak. Greycloak, who, by the way, acquired his name after he started sporting a grey sheep's wool cloak, was the heir to his father's kingdom. But while Northumberland was soon after Eric Bloodaxe's death, folded into the greater Anglo-Saxon kingdoms, Norway was still ripe for the picking, with earls, known as Jarls, fighting there for power. If history has taught us one thing about a medieval king, there was nothing a medieval king liked better than having a young, impressionable heir in his own household, one whom he could mould as he saw fit, and through that young heir, exert an influence on territories outside his own immediate borders. So, yes... Bluetooth was kind enough to give his fugitive sister a comfortable roof over her head, but it was her son, the heir to the crown of Norway, who was the absolute prize. Bluetooth would educate Greycloak in his household, and when the boy became a young man, he reunited with his brothers as all six, but according to some historians, eight sons of Eric Bloodaxe journeyed to Norway in 960 to fight their uncle, Håkon, who had seized the throne for himself. Greycloak travelled on Danish ships, with Danish warriors by his side, who helped him defeat the powerful Jarls of Western Norway. Greycloak travelled with Bluetooth's support, and by the time he and his brothers ruled as kings of Norway in 961, he was in Bluetooth's debt, which Bluetooth was not shy to remind him of. Through his influence on Greycloak, Bluetooth enlarged his own communication network, reaching out to trading ports in England through Greycloak's few remaining friends in northern England. But not just that, Norway, Greycloak's realm, gave access to trade with Sweden and through the North and Barents Sea, onwards to the lands of the Rus. Bluetooth took full advantage of this, establishing close ties with the Baltic kingdoms, with wood carvings and coins minted during Bluetooth's reign being found to this day in Poland and further east. Bluetooth communicated with his allies across sea and land with a sailor reaching a fixed point somewhere in the kingdom and passing on news to a rider who might then make the last of his journey on a pair of skis. 
Bluetooth's messengers, and indeed his spies, kept him abreast of much of what was happening in northwest Europe, including Norway, during the 960s. And he was a wily fellow, for he kept all doors of communication open. For even though Bluetooth had helped put Greycloak on the throne in Norway, he, Bluetooth, maintained communications with the deposed Norwegian king's sons, who now lived in exile, and at one point even lived in Bluetooth's household. Bluetooth was nothing if not wily and extremely ambitious. But just as the expanded trading and raiding expeditions had made Bluetooth wealthy, they too had increased the power of Greycloak. During the late 960s, it became clear, disconcertingly so for Bluetooth, that Greycloak was no longer dependent on him. Greycloak had over time amassed sufficient power in his household and amongst his allies to feel comfortable ignoring Bluetooth altogether and casting aside Bluetooth's advice to leave the Jarls of Eastern Norway well alone. Greycloak had his stronghold in the south and in the west, but the east of Norway still held him at bay as absolute ruler. So when Greycloak started killing off influential jarls in the east in his campaign to pacify all of Norway, Bluetooth made his displeasure known before growing wary and then increasingly angry. It is one thing to witness the boy you have fostered crowned king, but it is another thing altogether to see him independent in thought and action. Indeed, at one point it seemed as if Greycloak himself might even become more powerful than Bluetooth, and there was no way that Bluetooth would allow this to happen. So, the Danish king reached out through his communication networks and established an alliance with Håkon Sigurdsson, son of one of the Jarls Greycloak had ordered killed. In the year 970, Greycloak was enticed to come to Denmark. Upon landing in Helts, a harbour town in the northern part of Denmark, Harald Greycloak, King of Norway was set upon by a large group of men, and there, on the sandy beaches of northern Denmark, he was stabbed and stabbed again until he lay dead. The perpetrators would turn out to be men allied to Håkon Sigurdsson, who here avenged his father and rid Norway of an increasingly unpopular king. But there is no way that this murder could have happened on Danish soil without the sanction of the Danish king. News quickly filtered back to Norway, causing Greycloak's co-rulers, his brothers, to flee. And with them on the run, Greycloak's supporters were truly divided. Some were still in Denmark fleeing for their lives, others were on raids and others still hiding out in Norway. The chaos around his death was such that Håkon Sigurdsson, with the backing of Harald Bluetooth, could easily invade Norway and put down quite violently all opposition he met as he made his way to his own stronghold in Trøndelag, 
the northernmost part of southern Norway. And in late 970, rule of power was consolidated in Håkon Sigurdsson's hands by the grace of Harald Bluetooth. This time there was no veneer of royal blood on the throne, as there had been with Greycloak, who had after all been the son of the late king of Norway. With Håkon Sigurdsson it was evident for all to witness that he ruled as a vassal of Harald Bluetooth. But, as the saying goes, those who thirst for power will never be sated. With Bluetooth's power in the north, enlarged, expanded, and in his eyes secured, he now looked southwards in a bid to conquer more land. I will leave it there for today, and next time, Bluetooth takes on the might of the Holy Roman Empire. I hope you liked this episode. If you did, please consider subscribing to Restless Times in History, as it really does help in making this podcast grow and be visible in the world of podcasts. Until next time, which will be the Wednesday after Easter, I have been Eva, and thanks so much for listening.